Hey, this morning, you know, just to start out on a positive note, I want you to turn to those around you, and I want you to have a brief discussion about the worst restaurant experience you have ever had in your entire life. Go. Worst one in your entire life. All right, I hear everybody winding down. So apparently we've had a couple of people that have had bad restaurant experiences. Now we're going to pass the mic and have you share. No, not really. All right. Just kidding. Just kidding. Hey, this morning I want to talk about something that has the potential to improve your health, improve your happiness, and your sense of well-being. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're going to talk about something that has the potential to give you meaningful impact in the lives of those around you. Something that uh, Pastor Steve Shogren would say is, is a way to battle spiritual darkness. We're going to talk about service this morning, serving one another. And no, this is not a guilt trip message to try to get you to volunteer to serve with the youth group. So just relax. This is not that message. Research has been done into the benefits of serving one another. Now, the term usually used is, is volunteering. So we'll kind of we'll use those a little bit interchangeably. But they found that serving other people, volunteering your time, can actually improve your blood pressure. It can decrease pain. It can reduce stress. And it can increase your overall level of happiness. So this is a good thing, right? I mean, probably not many of us are like, actually, I would like to be you know, hypertensive and hurt a lot and be stressed out. I mean, I, I kind of enjoy that, you know, state of being. Probably not. So we would say, hey, good, this is good. This is good. I, I, I like things that improve my health. Now, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, we're going to take this a little bit further, though, and, and serving one another is actually something that we are called to do. All throughout Scripture, you see this call. Jesus himself, as he served others, as he served his disciples, he said, hey, this is the example that I set. Now you get out there and you do the same thing. The Apostle Paul, one of the missionaries in the early church, he wrote to various churches and he would encourage them, hey, you need to be serving one another. You need to carry each other's burdens. You need to be investing in the lives of those around you. James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, which, again, if you want, you want <clears throat> proof that Jesus was who he said he was, like, what would you have to do, as Andy Stanley would say, to convince your siblings that you were the son of God, right? I mean, so, so you have James, the half-brother of Jesus, who's like, yep, hey, he's the one. And he tells us to live out our faith through action. He says true religion is taking care of widows and orphans. It's serving one another. John one of Jesus' 12 disciples, writes about using our resources as believers, using our resources to help others as they have need. So this is all throughout Scripture, and, and there's kind of a theme there, and that's this action of serving. Now, serving through action, it can be something very simple. It can be something uh, much more involved. Maybe it means, you know, your, your neighbor goes out of town and they ask you to get their mail for them. You say, oh, you know, I can, I can go get your mail, you know, keep it from spilling out onto the road. 
And that's, that's serving. You're doing something to help somebody. Maybe you're driving down the road and you see a car pulled over and they've, they blew a tire. And you stop and say, oh, hey, <clears throat> I've changed a million tires in my life. I'm gonna, I'll just stop by and see if they need help. You're doing something to help somebody. Maybe it means you go to another country and you invest in the lives of somebody overseas. Maybe it's in Haiti and you're you know, handing out fresh water to those who wouldn't otherwise have it. But it's this action. It is doing something to help somebody. And this is what Jesus calls us to do. He doesn't, he doesn't really give us an option. You know, so for some people, serving comes easier than for others. Some of us, our, our natural bent, our personality leaves us more inclined towards that. But Jesus doesn't say, I want you to serve others if that's your natural inclination. He says, no. He says, this is the way I did it. This is the way you will do it. Again, our, our theme, if you will, here at Radiant Life is live like Jesus. So the way Jesus lived is the way that we should strive to live. He said, this is the way I did it. This is the way you should do it. And I think all of us would agree that serving other people, doing something to help somebody is a good thing. We rarely look at the people that are investing into the lives of others and rarely do we ridicule them and say, those people are ridiculous. Like, what a punk. Look at the way they're, you know, like going and giving people in Haiti fresh water. What a jerk. Like, I mean, we don't, we don't do that, right? Because we recognize that it's a, it's a good thing. It's a beneficial thing. I mean, if you have ever said that, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, exclude you. If you, you know, if you look at the guy helping the guy on the side of the road and you're like, punk, right? I mean, that's, that's cool. I mean, that's, that's between you and God, I suppose. But, uh, but we would all say it's a good thing, yet sometimes we struggle. When the opportunity comes for us to actually do something, you know, we, we talk like, oh, yes, helping other people, that's great. We want to do it. Yes, sign me up. But then you get that phone call. 8 o'clock on a Friday night, says, oh, like, I really need, I really need a hand with this. Or Saturday morning, your friend calls and says, hey, my car just broke down. Can you drive down to Fort Wayne to pick me up? And you're like, Ugh! Right? We're, we know that it's a good thing, but we get that phone call, and we're like, man. And I think that's because to some extent, each one of us is hardwired for self-preservation. And along with that goes this, this drive to use our resources, our time, our money, our possessions, our energy. We want to use that for things that clearly benefit us. So when you get that phone call, you think, oh, I had, I had plans. Do you know what I was going to do with my Saturday? Like I had the hammock all set up. I was going to rest. I was going to relax. Now you're calling me Fort Wayne or the hours and I'm like, damn, right? And we're like, ugh. So there's this disconnect. We recognize that it's a good thing, but sometimes that self-preservation, that wanting to use our resources for us gets in the way. Now, I think the great thing about serving, the action component of that is that it's, it's pretty easy to know whether or not we're doing that. You know, you can, you, can, you can look at it and say, well, am I doing anything to help anybody? I mean, it's, there's not usually like a, a, a gray area. I mean, you're, you're either helping people or you're not. I mean, 
Like, am I, am I using all of my time for me, or am I helping people? What am I doing? I think service is more than that, though, and that's what we're going to dig into today. I want you to turn with me to the book of Mark. Book of Mark, chapter 10. And I'm jumping ahead of my slides. Hey, Dewey, could you uh, click on that first slide for me, please? With Mark 10. That's just a good riff. Rick, jamming, man. Jamming. You ever had the... Yeah! I think we... That's good stuff. It's one of those things like you're just driving down the road and you hear that riff and you're like, I could drive for like a bajillion miles listening to this. It's good stuff. Mark 10, 35. Did anyone find one of those? Fid- Abe, did you find me a fidget spinner yet? Did you, did you get one of those? No? Sorry. It's all right. I, I appreciate the effort. The book of Mark is one of the four accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. A lot of scholars believe it was written by a man named John Mark. John Mark was not one of the disciples. However, he hung out a lot with Peter, who was one of the disciples. So a lot of scholars believe that that Peter's hanging out with John Mark, and he he reports to him these events of the life and ministry of Jesus, and John Mark writes them down in what we now have as the book of Mark. So we're going to read... some verses here, starting with verse 35. It says this, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, him being Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. Now, just to make clear, James and John are not actually asking for specific chairs, okay? A lot of us, we we probably get this, right? What they're saying is, hey, Jesus, when you set up your kingdom, like, we want positions of honor, positions of authority, positions of influence. That's, That's what we want. That's what they're asking Jesus for. They're saying, Jesus, hey, when you're in charge, because like the rest of the Jews, even the disciples had this, this disconnect in their understanding of who the Messiah was. They, they envisioned a military leader, a king, somebody who would lead them to freedom from Roman rule. And so they're thinking, hey, so Jesus, you know, you keep talking about how, you know, the kingdom is near, all this good stuff, right? So, so when that happens, when that happens, like, you know who to, who to go to, you know, to be you know, your guys, right? You know, we're, we're the guys. That's what they're asking for. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And that's referring to the suffering that he's about to experience. Right before this conversation takes place, Jesus and the disciples are traveling on the road to Jerusalem. And Jesus tells them, right before this. Hey guys, so we're going to Jerusalem. The people there, they're going to arrest me. They're going to mock me, spit on me, and kill me. And James and John are like, sweet, so we're your guys, right? This this disconnect. And he's saying, like, can you you go through the suffering that I'm about to go to, go through? And I love their response. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we got this. 
It's, it's, it's like, man, did they, I don't know, I just, I, as I read through this, you, you think, what are, they, what are they thinking he means? Like, do they, do they not connect the dots? Like, death, humiliation, you know, suffering. We got this. Like, no problem. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John, the ten being the other ten disciples. Now, shortly before this, if you go back a few chapters in the book of Mark, Mark records for us another conversation that took place while the disciples traveled. Except this time, the disciples had been arguing among themselves. So they're traveling down the road arguing about which one of them was the greatest. So there's this, there's this fight over, okay, which, which one of us is the best disciple? You know, and you just, you kind of see him comparing stats. You know, they're, they're, they're whipping out their, you know, their disciple card, you know, their disciple trading card, and they're reading off the stats. And they're like, well, you know, you only, you know, you only healed uh, 12 people last week, and I, I, I have recorded right here that I healed uh, 17. So clearly, I am superior to you. And then, you know, you have Matthew over here like, yeah, but I was a tax collector, so, you know, from the standpoint of who's progressed the furthest, it's, it's definitely me because, you know, I was a tax collector and now I'm a disciple of Jesus and you guys were just fishermen and that's lame, right? Because who likes fish? What? And then they, and they, and they have this, this bickering. Bartholomew is like, dude, my name is Bartholomew and I'm a Jew and I'm better than you. What up? And they're just having this discussion, right? And they're arguing about which one of them is the greatest. So fast forward to this narrative that we're going through today. James and John are like, fine. Okay, last time we argued with the other disciples about who is the greatest, Jesus, he kind of called us out on it. It was like, you guys are being idiots, you know. So James and John are like, new plan, new plan. Have you ever, have you ever watched that cartoon, Pinky and the Brain? Right, James and John, like I, I, I can imagine them like, you know, they're having their, like, little brother time, because right? they're brothers, right? I imagine, I imagine they have this little session, right? And they're, they're like, plotting to take over the world. So they're, they're eating lunch one day, kind of off to the side, and, and James, yeah, North, hey, Brian, what are we going to do tonight? That's, that's a good, that's a great cartoon. You should all go home and YouTube Pinky and the Brain. It's, it's fantastic. So, so James and John, are, they're just, you know, they kind of move over to the side, and they're, you know, they're eating their, their bread and their fish, and, 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 James says, hey, hey, John, so, so what do you think we should do? And John is like, he's like, dude, check this out. So last time we fought with the other disciples about who's the greatest, right? This time we're just going to go right to Jesus. Like we're not even going to tell those other guys. Let's just, let's go over there and we're going to talk to them. So that's what they do, right? So then they, then they come on their own. They're like, we're going to, we don't have to argue. We're just going to go straight to the boss and be like, uh, put us in charge. And obviously their plan hasn't been working out real great. Okay. Interesting side note, in Matthew, Matthew writes about this same account, but he tells us that their mother came to Jesus. So it's actually, as you, as you read through some of, the, some of the commentary on this, the scholars think that they kind of had their mom go to Jesus first to kind of, you know, grease the wheels a little bit like, well, Jesus, my sons are pretty awesome, right? Right? I'm, I think that's what their mom sounded like. And then they follow up by saying, like, they roll into it right after their little lunch meeting. They roll into it thinking, Mom, Mama put in a good word for us, so I think we're good. We've got a good shot at this. Craziness. 
Jesus says, ah. and the other disciples are like, ah. they're ticked, right? They're like, you guys went behind our backs, and you're trying to take those positions of honor and authority and influence. So Jesus calls them all together again, because he's had this conversation before. And he says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Remember, they're, they're trying to jockey for the best positions. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is saying, you're after honor, you're after authority, you're after influence. And you're going about it all wrong. I propose that the, the other part of the service equation, we talked about the action part, right? Service, it's action. It's actually doing something to help somebody. But I think, and do if you could go to my slide, I, I jumped way ahead. But I proposed this morning that serving like Jesus requires action and attitude. And that's what Jesus is addressing here with the disciples. Because the disciples served. They had the action part down. They've been doing ministry with Jesus now for a few years. You know, they've been there when he heals the sick, when the dead are raised to life. You know, when he's like, whoa, that guy used to have leprosy and now he doesn't. It's super cool. Jesus had sent the disciples out to do ministry. He sent them out two by two and he said, hey, all this stuff we've been doing, go out and do that. They have the action part down. And we would normally say, well, hey, that's great. You guys went around and you healed the sick and all this stuff. But now James and John are trying to take that service, that action, and they're trying to leverage that for position. Trying to leverage that so that they are honored. Which, within their culture, that was pretty normal. You sought honor. Honor was one of the biggest things you would go after, and shame was the worst. But Jesus is saying, that's not the way you, it works in my system. So action and attitude. Jesus says, you need to be, you want to be great? You want to be something? Which is, they did, which is why they asked for positions of honor. You want to be something? You've got to be a servant. You want to be great? You've got to be a slave. These are two positions that had pretty much zero social status. They're the bottom of the barrel. Jesus is saying the attitude of service is humility. One that doesn't seek honor for yourself, it seeks to honor others. Because who, who did a servant work for? They worked for the people that were above them. Who did a slave work for? They worked for the people that were above them. Jesus is saying that's the posture you need to take. That's the attitude that you need to have. You need to put others above yourself. And I think this is actually harder. We talk about how sometimes we struggle with the action component of serving others, right? Because self-preservation, we want to we use our resources for us. I think the attitude is difficult because we also are hardwired for self-promotion. 
we want to look good. We want to be the awesomest, bossest, coolest guy around, right? And we, we try to jockey for a position. We want to climb the corporate ladder. We want to climb the social ladder. And improving is not a bad thing. That's not what Jesus is saying. Again, so if you're thinking, oh, well, what, so I just I stay at like, as like the peon in my company forever? No, that's, I mean, you should always work well. You should always pursue excellence in whatever you do. So it's not this attitude of being down on yourself or trying to always talk down on yourself. That's not what humility is. Humility is using what you have for the benefit of others. It's elevating others above yourself. But this self-promotion that we often fall into gets in the way. At the start of the service, we talked, well, at the start of the message, you talked about bad restaurant experiences. And there's a reason that I had you do that. For some of you, maybe the reason your restaurant experience was bad was the, the food was horrible. Like, you know, they brought out your steak and you're like, this is a hockey puck. You're like, this is, I can't, I can't eat this. But maybe for some of you, the reason that that experience was bad is you had what you would consider poor service from the wait staff or you know, anybody else in the restaurant. And I think as we, as we work towards humility, we have to do a self-evaluation. And this is not research-based at all, but I think we need to do what we'll call the waiter test, specifically the bad waiter test. How many times have you been in a restaurant and the service isn't what you think it should be? And so what do we say? What do we say? Like, you know, your waitress, you know, she only came back once to check on you, you know, and, you know, she never refilled your, your cherry lemonade and, you know, and all these things or whatever. And what do we do? We say, not leaving her a tip, right? We, and we, we, think, we think, that person owes me good service. I'm, I've got the money, right? They are here to serve me, and if they don't do it the way I think they should do it, well, pfft. hope they find someone else to pay their bills for them, because it's not going to be me. Not leaving them a tip. Or you do that really jerk thing, okay, and, and slight offense, like if you've done this, but you actually write down, I used to work in a restaurant, so I know that this happens. You write down on the napkin, tip, don't suck at your job, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> like that, if you're that person, I mean, I mean some offense by saying that, that <laughs> don't do that. But it might seem like a simple thing. It might be like, really, like you're making this big of a fuss about, about waiters and waitresses. But yes, because I think it's so easy for us to fall into this position where we take a position, we say, I am somehow superior to this person. Okay, do you know how many of the world's problems would be solved if we could stop thinking that we were superior to some other group? Like if this group could stop thinking, well, I'm obviously way better than that group, or no, this group is thinking, well, no, we're way better because you guys are punks, right? But it's so easy for us to slide into that mindset that we somehow have superiority over somebody else. And then we treat them accordingly. 
You know what the word servant means that Jesus says? One of the, uh, one of the uses is actually waiter. So the next time you're out to eat, and I told first services, I'm like, I'm going to be praying my buns off that all of you have horrible restaurant experiences the next time you go out to eat. It's just to give you, you know, a little self-evaluation, you know, uh, so you can, get a, you can get a glimpse of this because it's so easy for us. Just light into that. But what would it look like if the next time you go out to a restaurant, you go into it with the mindset of, how can I honor this waiter or this waitress? Again, Jesus calls us to be a servant, a slave to all. So what, what would it look like for you to be a waiter to your waiter? Wrestle with that a little bit. But I think it, to move towards this posture of humility, this attitude of service, we first have to recognize that it's easy for us to slide into that mindset of superiority and identify where it is easier for you. Because some of us, you know, we, we roll into some settings and, and we think, oh, well, hey, I'm, I'm obviously the superior one here. But then in other settings, we're like, oh, no, hey, you know, that's obviously, that's, that person's in charge, you know, whatever. But what would it look like if, if in every setting you seek to honor those around you? You seek to elevate those around you. Even if within the business world, they're considered somebody below you. If you're a boss or an owner of business, how can you serve your employees? This is something in the leadership literature you're seeing more and more of. Simon Sinek has a book called Leaders Eat Last, and it's that concept that if you want to be a good leader, you will, you will serve your team. You will put them before you. So how, how can you do that? As an employee, how can you really serve your boss or your coworkers? I think, the first, I think for starters, you actually do your job and do it well. Paul talks about that. He's, he's talking to actual slaves, right? Jesus, Jesus tells us, hey, you know, be a servant to everyone, be a slave to everyone. He's not actually saying go out and sell yourself into slavery. Again, it's about this posture of humility. But Paul writes to actual slaves and tells them, hey, like, yeah, this is, you know, kind of a bum deal that you're a slave, but don't just work to please your earthly master. You work to please the Lord as if you're working for God, as if God stepped in and said, hey, I need you to scrub the toilets. You'd be like, whoa, I'm on it, Lord. Give me the brush. I'm going to go. What would it look like if we adopted that attitude in our workplace? Students at school, what would it look like? To elevate those around you, your teachers, aides, principals, classmates, what would it look like if you actively sought to elevate them rather than yourself? At home, if you have a spouse or kids, what does it look like to serve them? Kids, what does it look like to serve with an attitude of humility, your parents. But take an honest look at what your default is. And that's the, that's, I think that's the best place to start. 
So I think after the service, everybody should go out to a restaurant. Not the same one, because, well, no, or, or I'll go to the same one, because then, then everyone's going to be cranky, right? Because you're going to be like 250 people showing up, and they're going to be like, oh, you know, and, the, and some of you are going to bound, you're bound to have bad service. Just, you know, the volume will, will overwhelm everybody. And I'm praying, and give them, give them horrible, horrible experience with, <laughs> with wait staff. Is that, is that a bad thing to pray? Like, is that... Is that, is that okay? Like, do you think? <laughs> I wonder if God honors that prayer. Lord, like, give them all miserable experiences. <laughs> I'm going to try it. And if it happens, okay, so if the next time you go to a restaurant, like, it is a horrible experience, you can totally blame me, right? And that's, I'm okay with that. Like, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the heat for that. Several years ago, I was in Montana. I had the opportunity to go work with a team. We did some painting and, and renovations in a low-income area. And I was, I was pumped. I, I, I enjoy work. I enjoy working outside. I, I like to put in some good hard labor. So I was excited about this. So we went to Montana, and we worked on painting the exterior of a house. A few days into it, we did the siding and the trim. A few days into it, the leader of our team came to us and said, said, hey, uh, this guy, the homeowner, you know, he, he really wants the trim painted a different color. You know, we got it all painted, and, and he's like, eh, it looks kind of funky. So we're like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll repaint the trim. No big deal. So we did that. By the end of the week, which we were there for a week, the leader of our team comes to us and says, actually, you know what, like, he just wants everything painted different colors. Like, we're just going to start over. <laughs> Now, I was super pumped, and if you had asked me that whole week, like, what are, you, what are you doing, you know, here in Montana? I would have said, you know, we're serving. You know, we're, we're doing something to help somebody. But as soon as this, this guy tells us, oh, yeah, the homeowner, he wants all new colors, like, essentially everything that we just did will be redone. I was ticked. I was like, I was like are you kidding me? I said, we've... We've been busting our butts to do this for this guy. Like, no cost to him. Didn't charge him for labor. Didn't charge him for materials. I was ticked. And God says, hang on a second. <laughs> he says, why did, why did you come here, Josh? Said, well, to serve people, to show them the love of Jesus. And he, said, <laughs> and he says, okay, so what's, what's the problem? I says, well, this guy, like, he's been wasting my time. And I always say, Josh, why did, why did you come here? Love of Jesus, you know, come on. I would have told you that I was serving, that I was doing everything, like, this was a good thing. But my heart wasn't there. My heart said, no, this guy, he'd better be grateful. Like, we're coming in, you know, on our white steed, and we're like, hey, we're going to paint your house for you. Guy should be grateful. This is my time, my energy going into this. God says, no, it isn't. Get over yourself, man. God used those exact words. That was the general, you know, general theme. God says, it's the, it's the heart of it. Jesus says, it's not just the outward thing. Jesus fought that through his whole ministry. 
He would say, you guys think this is just this external thing? No, it's the heart. You think it's just this other external thing? No, it's the heart. I think it's the same thing with service. To serve like Jesus, it's not just going out and doing something for somebody. It's going out and doing something for somebody and having the heart that you are seeking to elevate that person. Not, not a heart that says, I'm up here and I'm going to you know, help this poor, miserable soul down here paint his house. Because then we're, then we're missing it. Now, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, first of all, hey, cool, I'm glad you came. But you don't have to worry about the second part. You can, you can be ticked at the guy, right? <laughs> you can, that's all right. But as followers of Jesus, we are called to address the heart of the issue. <laughs> so as you, as you go into the different areas in life, work, home, school, pay attention to how you respond to people. Do you act from that attitude of service, that posture of humility? At this time, I'm going to have our students who are graduating this year come up. We're going to recognize them, challenge them a little bit. So if you want to come on up, i to find a microphone for you guys. Dylan, say something into there so we know if it's on. Hello. Awesome. <laughs> All right, hey, you, you guys come, come, let's, it's going to drive me bonkers if we're not like sort of centered on the stage, right? So I'm weird like that. And then you guys, you guys are pretty good. All right, hey, so... This is pretty sweet, right? We've got some students that are graduating. That's a good thing. And uh, I'm going to, yeah, 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 come on. We had like that, that slow, like one person, there's like the, the single, like the Abe, like single clap there, and then everyone got on board. That was good. That was good. <laughs> Did, yeah, yeah. Abe is so cool. If you don't know Abe, you should go and meet him because he's really cool. That's right. <laughs> so, what? Oh, did you guys shift or something? Hey, so we're going to, for those of you that don't know some or all of these individuals, uh, we're going to give them a microphone. And they don't know, they didn't know this, but actually uh, we're going to have a, what do you call it when six people sing together? It's not like a quartet, right? What? It's it. They're like a junior, they're like a miniature choir. Surprise! No. <laughs> you guys practiced, right? Yeah? Oh, hey, so, okay, so what's a duet then? These two practiced. So they... <laughs> All right, so I'm going to hand you the microphone. And you have to then, you have to hold it up, you know, so people can actually hear you. Uh, just tell everybody who you are, where you're graduating from, and what your plans are from here. Hi, I'm Courtney O'Brien. I'm graduating from Sturgis, and next year I'll be attending Spring Arbor University to pursue a degree in education, and I'll also be playing golf there. All right, hey, real quick, real quick, just, you know, to make this a little bit more, you know, interactive, like, 
after you say your name, I want everyone to pause, and, and so you're going to have to tell them your name again. And then we have to, you know, respond, right? So she says, hi, my name is Courtney O'Brien. You say, hi, Courtney. Okay. <laughs> All right. You, you have just say your name again. So they, you know, to give them the opportunity to respond. Hi, I'm Courtney O'Brien. Hi, Courtney. You guys did that really good. All right. Okay, now <laughs> go for it. Hi, I'm Michaela Buglione. Hi, Michaela. <laughs> I'm graduating from Sturgis High School, and I'm going to be attending KVCC next year to obtain my associate's degree. All right. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kaylee Johnson. Hi, Kaylee. <laughs> I'll be attending Trine University next year, and I'm graduating from Sturgis this year. All right. Hi, I'm Julia Lalone. Hi! <laughs> you guys are getting good at this. So, like, I, don't even need a, I don't even need a lead anymore. Go for it. I'm graduating from Sturgis High School, and I plan to attend Glen Oaks in the fall to uh, pursue a degree in forensic science. Hi, I'm Jonathan Scholl. Uh, I graduated from Sturgis High School. I'll be attending Oakland University to just, uh, pursue a degree in either sports marketing or education. I'll also be running track for them. Hi, I'm Dylan Ware. Hi, how are you? Um, I'm graduating from Sturgis High School, and I plan on attending Glen Oaks to study criminal justice. All right. So, grads, I'm going to take a minute to bug you guys. I got to sneak, sneak this out from behind you here. So, I want to challenge you. Regardless of where you go, as you go on to college, and then as you transition into a career, I want to challenge each one of you as you do that to make it a priority to serve others, to honor others before you honor yourself. You might be awesome at whatever you get into, but within that, maybe you're already awesome at something, but within that, how can you honor those around you and seek to elevate others before you seek to elevate yourself? So, and I'm, I think I'm one or two short, but uh, I want you to take this as a reminder, which, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, say Maverick uh, raised the bar pretty high, and he actually wore his, you know, you know after, after service there. So, <laughs> so I want to give you that. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's got a little loopy-doo. It's got a little loopy-doo. Check it out. Little guy right there, and then you do like the whole, you know, there's probably like a fox and a bunny ear thing. Okay, here's the deal. If you guys can't figure out how to put on an apron, I don't know if they should let them graduate. <laughs> So you got it. So Courtney, I have to. I'm I'm one short, so I will I will get yours. So you're not off the hook, right? Maybe maybe like that loop is big enough. You can both wear that one, you know, and do like that conjoined twin thing or something. I don't know. <laughs> I want to challenge you guys to be praying for these students as they go forward. Transitions can be difficult. I want you to cover them in prayer 
that they would be guided where they need to go, that they would stay true to what God has called them to do. And I'm going to pray for them here. So if you want to reach a hand out, just as an extension, just as saying, hey, you know what? I'm praying for these guys too, and we're going to pray. Father God, Lord, I lift up each one of these students up here. Thank you for them, for their giftings, for what you have called them to do. Lord, I ask that as they move on to school and to career, I ask that you would guide them. Lord, whatever you have for them there, whatever people you have for them to meet, to interact with, I ask that they would be faithful in honoring those individuals. That they wouldn't seek their own honor, but they would seek the honor of those around them and through that, that you would honor them. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, let's give one more hand for our, for our graduates. And I think you guys should like do like at least do one of these things, right? Come on, come on. Like link you gotta do that link arm thing, right? And you gotta do like a hello my baby, hello my darling. John and Dylan got it. You guys you guys are good. Or not. It's cool. It's cool. All right. You guys can can take a seat. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. John and Dylan, I think I think they should uh, take some electives in dance, maybe. I'm just, that's some free, free advice there for you guys. The heart of service, the attitude of service. To really serve like Jesus, it's not just the action, it's the attitude. It's the heart behind it. I think if we adopt that attitude first, the action will flow out of that. Because if we view everybody around us as being of higher importance than ourself, I think the action of service will flow out of that. At this time, if the ushers want to come forward, there's another area where Jesus talks about the heart of it, right? Where Scripture tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. Dropping money in the plate is the action. But scripture addresses the heart of it. It says God loves a cheerful giver. Somebody who says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to give and be like, man, bringing that stupid plate around here again. Honestly, if, if that's where you're at right now, that's okay. Just hang on to your money because it's, it's the heart of it. This isn't, this isn't like a ticket price to get into, you know, hear Rick you know, jamming. This is an act of worship. And worship is a heart issue. So as the play goes around, and if, if, if you see this as an act of worship, give. If you don't, there's, there's no pressure. No pressure. Chuck the connection card in there. There's pressure for that. You better put your connection card in there, even if you're grumpy about it, right? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> so we're going to pray. As the plate goes by, we'll have you stand. We're going to close with a few songs. Father God, thank you that you allow us to come to you to worship.
both through action and through what's going on in our heart. I ask that you would give each one of us the attitude of service, the heart of humility. And we would seek to honor those around us, not just ourselves. It says, humble king, servant king. Then Jesus shows up on the scene and says, hey, I came to serve people. This is the way I operated. If you follow me, this is the way you need to operate. So let's go out there into our communities and be the people that serve others, the people that put others at a higher place than ourselves. Whether it's in the restaurants that we eat in, in your workplace, at home. Let's follow Jesus' example on that, eh? Hey, I want everyone to have a good holiday weekend. Enjoy some time with your family. And come back next week. It's going to be good stuff.